look at this idea of the fear of the Lord. Um, the interesting thing about this phrase in the book of Proverbs is that when it's mentioned, it's always in a positive connotation. It's always, it's always uh, highlighting the better path that God has us to walk in, the better way that God wants us to live and do life. And so lots of times uh, he'll, he'll give us a comparison like he does in verse number seven. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So he says, those who fear the Lord have the opportunity to grow in their understanding. They have the gr- opportunity to grow in their knowledge of who God is and in their relationship with him. But those who reject the fear of the Lord are going to bring, bring burdens upon themselves that they don't want to bear. And so as he talks about the fear of the Lord, it's never in a a condemning way that we need to be fearful of the Lord uh, where we're shaking and hiding in a closet, but it's talking about this idea of growing in knowledge, uh, submitting our our ways to the way of the Lord uh, or the will of the Lord and seeking to walk in his path. And so as we we look at um, several different things tonight, several different passages tonight, uh, let's keep that in mind that it's calling us to something better it's not holding us back. And that's really all the commands in the Word of God, isn't it? That God is calling us to something better. He's not holding us back. He's calling us to a higher way of living, um, not keeping something from us. And when we start to, to reverse that mindset and we begin that God is, to think that God is keeping something from us, that's when we start to rebel against God. And that's what we see happen, all, as we often say, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve heard what God had said, they believed it, but when Satan crept in and perverted what God had said, they began to think that God was holding something back from them. Therefore, they rebelled against God. The curse of sin came upon the world, and we're still fighting that mess today. And so while we understand that this phrase, the fear of the Lord, is spoken in a positive way, it also makes sense for us to think about this phrase in this way, that if we choose to neglect the positive way that God says the fear of the Lord, how to live in that way, that we will bring consequences to ourselves, right? That we will face um, certain challenges, certain issues in life uh, because we're rejecting the way uh, that God has called us to live. And so uh, all you have to do is often take what Solomon says when he's talking about the fear of the Lord. You understand the positive that he's giving it in and then look at the reverse of that and you'll see the consequences that could possibly come into your life if you reject the good things that God has said. And so the fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's that reverential fear. It's that deep respect of God, knowing that God can do anything that God wants to do. And so you're desiring to walk in his ways, to follow in the path that he has given. Uh, The fear of the Lord is really something that we grow in as believers. The more we know God, the more we reverence who he is, the more we respect him. And it's, it's similar um, to, to raising kids, right? If you let your kids run all over you, um, are your kids ever going to respect you? No. And so you teach your kids to have respect. You teach your kids um, that there's, there's a way to live and there's a way not to live. And sometimes the way you teach is through giving consequences. Sometimes it's that unpleasant thing for both the one who's giving the consequence and the one who's receiving the consequence, but it's for the purpose of teaching and drawing into a better way of life. And so the fear of the Lord is a choice that we must make, that each and every day I'm going to choose to live in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to choose to submit myself uh, to him in the way that he has called me to. Uh, The fear of the Lord brings us to blessings. Who's ever seen that in their lives? When they've chosen to live a certain way, that God does pour out blessings on us. And, And we're not talking about a prosperity gospel, but God's word is full of these promises that if you walk in my way, then I will do these things for you. And, and sometimes it's, it's as simple as giving you peace in the midst of great darkness, but that's still a great blessing from the Lord. And then the fear of the Lord, it comforts us, it convicts us, it consoles us, and it corrects us. And so as Solomon and the other writers of the Proverbs, as they use this phrase, Uh, I think it's one that they use very carefully because they don't want us to have the wrong idea. They want us to understand it. They want us to live in it. And so when it's used, it's used with great intention. And so as we look at this phrase tonight, I pray that we would examine our own hearts to see if we really respect or reverence uh, the Lord as he deserves. And we're going to see several principles tonight that hopefully will be a help to us in our daily life. Uh, But the theme, if you take notes, would simply be this. Um, the wise, speaking of people, the wise walk in the fear of the Lord. The wise walk in the fear of the Lord. So we're going to start in verse number seven, and uh, that's going to be our first section tonight. And uh, the title that I'm given this one is The Fear of the Lord is Priority. 
The fear of the Lord is a priority. And as Solomon is, is starting his uh, compilation of these, these wise sayings, as he's thinking about the things that he's learned through life, it doesn't take him long to get into this idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then he says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, somebody tell me, what's a priority in your life? Eddie. Very important. W- but what is one? What is, what's something that's important to you? Sure, to praise God, honor God. Somebody else? What's a priority? We went straight for the spiritual. I was thinking more practical. Jen? Kids, kids. yeah, definitely. We've got to take care of kids. Bruce? I was going to say family, on spiritual side, quiet time. Yep, very good. Dave? Uh, providing. Yeah, providing for your family. Somebody else? Something that's a priority. You guys just don't have a long list, I guess. Elizabeth? Make a living, yeah. Got to have that money, right? <laughs> Things don't pay for themselves. That's what I always tell our kids. Somebody else, what's a priority to you? Church. Jen. Not Jen. Jen just said hers. Kim. What's that? Hugs. She likes hugs. Eddie. Doing good things for our health. So all of those things would be good things to prioritize. And we all, probably if we were to make a list, have many priorities. Um, we have many things that we choose to do throughout the day. Uh, we, we set them high on our list. We set them high as, as goals or benchmarks that we want to achieve. And I don't, I don't want raised hands or even any feedback from this, but I would just ask us, how many of us prioritize this idea of fearing the Lord? Because Solomon says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if we want to have wisdom, uh, if we want to have uh, knowledge in our lives, then the fear of the Lord as believers has to be present. This idea of respecting or reverencing God above all else. And it's really uh, the center point, or, or one commentator I read says, it's the controlling principle for the rest of our lives. And I like that idea of a controlling principle, that this is the thing that, that guides us, it's the thing that shapes us, it's the thing that dictates how we make our decisions, uh, what we choose to do or not do as a family. It's, it's the beginning of all things. And so as Solomon says, um, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Solomon is basically saying you cannot have heavenly or divine or supreme knowledge unless you have a proper fear for the Lord. Now, if we were to to make a a list, and probably would be embarrassed if it was a public list, um, but how many of our daily choices are made through this idea of the fear of the Lord? Think about that. That the, the, the words that we speak, the actions that we perform, do we process or filter all those things through this idea of reverencing God? What does God want for me? What does God expect from me? And so as Solomon begins uh, this section, he, he begins by telling us that for a believer, for somebody who believes in God, this principle or this idea of the fear of the Lord needs to be a priority. Why? Because it's going to control how you live. It's going to control the things that you do. It's going to control uh, how you spend your resources, how you spend your time, the way that you do life. Solomon says this, this idea of the fear of the Lord needs to be a priority. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then he goes on to say, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you ever met somebody that, that never wanted to listen to somebody else? Any amount of instruction. Uh, we've probably had kids like that at a certain age, right? Every kid is like that. They think they know what's best. And what happens to those kids as they continue to live in a pattern of thinking they know what's best? They mess up. They're constantly in trouble, right? It's the kid that we're always talking to. It's the kid that we're always disciplining, the kid that we're always sending to the corner. And uh, I think I was that kid at times. At times, I know my brother was that way. My older brother was that way all the time. Uh, I was talking to my mom this afternoon, and one of our kids was fooling around. Uh, They were swimming, and I said, man, it takes me back to my childhood when Josh was being Josh. He was just constantly being Josh. And we have one of those kids in our house at times. Um, But they don't always like to listen to wisdom. They don't always like to listen to instruction. And it often brings consequences with that. And so Solomon's saying, if we're believers, if if we believe that God is the one true God, then a proper fear of him or a a right reverence of him needs to be a a priority in our lives. And it brings with it great knowledge and great wisdom, great ability to make great decisions that will bring glory to the name of God. 
Um, as we think about making decisions uh, and the fear of the Lord being a priority, um, do we believe that every decision we make should bring glory to God? Do we believe that? Amen. So how do we make those decisions? Through the filter of the fear of the Lord. That we, we reverence everything, uh, that, we, that we take everything that we're doing and we, we filter it through this idea of fearing God, walking in his way. But the fools, they, they live the opposite way. They live as people who have no understanding of God or, or they live as those who don't care that God does exist. In Proverbs 1, 29 and 30, the Bible says, For they that hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all of my proof. They didn't want any of his counsel and they despised all of his reproof. And why was that? Because they chose not to fear the Lord. It takes me back to what the Old Testament says often, that they did what was right in their own eyes. And where did that so often lead those people that made those decisions? Into bad places in life. It led the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness, sometimes, uh, for, well, for 40 years. And then after that wandering, it led them away from God in many other areas of their lives. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so again, Solomon in those two passages gives a comparison. There's those that hate the, the fear of the Lord. They despise the, the direction that God has given them, and they do not fear the Lord. But then for those who do choose to fear the Lord, they're given wisdom and knowledge and holy understanding. Now, what do you want in your life? Do you want um, reproof and correction and, and judgment, or do you want wisdom and knowledge and holy understanding? I think I'll take the latter, right? And all of that begins with this idea of fearing the Lord. And so as we think about the fear of the Lord being a priority, um, what are your thoughts on this? How, how do we make the fear of the Lord a priority in our lives? And I'm going to get these two out of the way quickly. Prayer and Bible reading. We know that, right? But how do we daily live with this idea of fearing the Lord? Eddie. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Can you pray and read your Bible without actually fearing the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's applying what you've read. It's, it's listening when you pray, if that makes sense. And I think much of our prayer time is actually telling rather than listening, if that makes sense. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's great. Um, that we, again, we filter all of those things through this idea of fearing the Lord. How does the Lord want me to live in this moment? Leah. Yeah. 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 And, and those are tough moments, aren't they? They're t it's tough when we know what we're supposed to do, but what does the Bible tell us? For him that knows to do, to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? It's sin. Now, we would often say that it's justified. To him that knows to do good and doesn't do it in that moment because of their circumstances that God understands, it's okay. That's not what the Bible says. If we know to do good and we don't do it and we're choosing our way over God's way, uh, then we have made the choice to sin. And that, again, goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden. Anybody else? Any thoughts on how, how we can play this out? Dave? I, I think like, uh, sometimes like, uh, a business will, will say, well, there are so many decisions to make. There are so many things that are going to be faced. We can't come up with the answers that we're going to have for all of them. But we can start with our defining what our values are. Hmm. Search the Bible. If we have our values and we have our principles laid out, we should be able to apply this this knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really seeing if it fits, right? Does the does the 
square block fit in, in the circle? Well, it doesn't fit. So what are we going to do? We're going to throw that out because it's not how God wants us to live. And so if you're a Christian and you're a serious Christian who knows the Word of God, don't we most often know what fits and what doesn't fit? We just choose not to, to, to listen. We choose not to walk in wisdom. We choose not to walk in the fear of the Lord. And it's interesting, you know, that Solomon is writing this. We talked about this last time. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who God gifted with this ability to have great wisdom, yet he still didn't often walk in that wisdom, uh, especially towards, towards um, at least the middle to the, the later portion of his life. Um, but uh, it was brought up last time afterwards that it, it would appear that in some way Solomon had some sort of revival as he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And though he couldn't fix everything that he had done wrong, he does come back and say, hey, what's the conclusion of the whole matter? To fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And it's almost like he's the old man saying to the young men again, as he did in the book of Proverbs, you've you got to walk in the fear of the Lord. You've got to walk in, in the way that God has called you to walk uh, to make sure that your life lines up uh, with, um, with, with what God's word says. I like uh, Paul's writing to the Philippians in uh, Philippians 3, 13 through 15. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I love that passage. Why? Because Paul's saying, hey, my only aim in life is to live for the glory of Christ, that he would be known, that my life would be a light to bring others to the truth of the gospel. And my desire, as Paul is speaking, Paul's desire for the, the church at Philippi was that they would live for the same purpose. And then what does he say? Does he rebuke them for a whole list of sins? No, he just simply says, and if anybody who's hearing this or reading this is otherwise minded, I pray God that would reveal it to you that you could get your heart right so that you could live, again, under the fear of the Lord so that you um, could, could uh, model what it means to be a Christian in a world that is so far away from God. And so this idea of the fear of the Lord has to be a priority. Anybody else, any thoughts on this idea of the fear of the Lord being a priority? How do we make it a priority, Bruce? You, you mentioned the rebuke and the, and the correction, and I thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, several weeks ago, um, I I was dealing with something in my own heart, and it was an issue of pride, and it was uh, a Thursday, and I was coming down here, and I knew I needed to work. On, uh, on my sermon for Sunday, um, but I just knew I wasn't in the place to do that. And so um, I got the weed whacker out, and I started weed whacking ditches here at church, and I put on a sermon. And wouldn't you know that the sermon that I put on by chance was a sermon on the issue of pride? <laughs> can God do that? He absolutely can. And, and as I'm weed whacking a ditch, I'm like, but God, you know... You know how, how that person treated me or what they said or what they did? And God's like, yeah, I do know, and I also know what you said and how you treated them, right? And, and God has a way of breaking us down um, to bring us back to himself. Rebuke is never fun. Chastening is never fun for the moment, but in the end, it's always, re, uh, it's always something that brings rejoicing because it brings us back to the Father. And so what did God teach me in that moment? To walk again in the fear of the Lord. If you have stepped out of line of, of making the fear of the Lord a priority, guess what? It's not too late. Just get back in line. Just, just get back to where God wants you to be. Start living with that mindset of the fear of the Lord being a priority in your life and, and watch how God begins to bless you again and brings comfort and peace and joy into your heart um, that has, had once uh, allowed those things to, to escape because you wanted something other than what God wanted for you. So the fear of the Lord must be a priority. Anybody else? Eddie. He, does that he loves us. He loves us uh, and we can't forget it, right? All right, the second thing, jump over to Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 10, and it's, it's this, the fear of the Lord 
brings clarity. The fear of the Lord brings clarity. In verses 7 through 10, Solomon says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. This shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Some people would say, hold up, this doesn't apply to us because most of us don't have barns that we're trying to fill or presses that we're pressing wine in, and so we can just skip this because it's not applicable in 2023. Remember, Solomon is giving us principles here, and he's using a principle that was widely understood in their day, but has great application even in our day. And so the fear of the Lord, it brings clarity to life. And I I really want to focus on on verse 7 for the most part, because we're going to look at uh, what, se- uh, what 8 through 10 has to say in another section. Um, and so verse 7 says this, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. If we were to take out that phrase, the fear of the Lord, the verse would read like this, Be not wise in thine own eyes, and depart from evil. So what is, what is Solomon saying that the fear of the Lord enables us to do? It enables us to depart from evil. It enables us to understand that in ourselves, we will typically always make the wrong decision. But when we're filled with the Spirit and fueled with the Spirit, then the Spirit is going to have that controlling power in us to guide us and and lead us in the path that He wants us to go. I was listening to a a sermon this past week, um, and it was talking about parenting and how uh, this idea of, of allowing your children to make choices is such a flawed idea. I don't know about you as, as parents. My kids aren't ready to make choices. They can choose what they want to wear for the most part. They can choose what they want for a snack, but they're not going to choose if they go to church. Why? Because a lazy kid most often will say what? I think I'll stay home, right? Uh, do, do we remind our kids to to read their Bibles. We do. Why? Because a kid will often forget those things that, that they should be a priority in their life. And so as, as we think about, and I don't, I don't want to get deep into this, but as we think about the, the situations in our world with all of the gender confusion, you know, letting, letting kids at the age of 14 decide what gender they're going to be and how they're going to live their lives, there's a whole lot of parents that are going to have to answer for a whole lot of things that their kids have found themselves in. But can we, can, we, can we be honest with ourselves and say that it's not just a gender issue, that there's a whole lot of Christian parents who are going to have a whole lot of answering to do for the choices that they let their kids make in those teenage years? Why does God say, honor your mother and father? Because your mother and father are the ones that are going to answer for the, the things that you do as a child. Do you believe that? Why do I want my kids to honor me? So that I can get my way in their life? No. I want my kids to honor me in part so that I can, I can spare my kids from a lot of heartache that they don't need to experience in this life. I want to protect my kids. And so as, as, as Solomon is writing here and he says, um, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil, um, who's ever had a, a debate with your child over you reminding them that you know better than they know? I think we all have. And at the end of the day, what do we as parents have to do? Have to put your foot down. You have to say, we're going to do it my way. Why? Because a child's not able to make decisions of that magnitude at that age. They don't have all the information. And if, you, if we let our kids, I was going to say you, but if we let our kids make those decisions, then parents are going to have to deal with the fallout of that in way of a broken heart but also going to have to answer to God for that as they, as they um, abdicated the role that God gave them to actually raise children rather than, than just having kids that were their friends. And so this is a plea for parents to understand that your kids are not wise enough. My kids are not wise enough to make life-altering decisions until they're adults. And when are they adults? I don't really know anymore, right? Like... I got married at 19, and I wish my mom had maybe said, hey, slow down a little bit. No, she was happy to get me out of the house. But at 16, you know, at 16 years old, uh, every way that was in my mind was the right way. 
but I'm thankful that I had parents that said, no, you're going to do it God's way. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Do it God's way. So if that's true for kids, um, can we also say that it's true for us as adults as well? That we're not wise. We think we're wise, but what does the Bible say? He who thinks he's wise is what? A fool. One who is, who is choosing to do life his own way and, and uh, setting aside the way that God wants him to go. And so Solomon says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And so if we want to have clarity in our lives, then again, we have to filter everything through this idea of the fear of the Lord. We have to filter everything through this idea that God's ways and my ways are not always going to line up. But as, as one who is seeking wisdom, I have to choose to walk in God's way. I have to choose to walk in the, the narrow way that God has established for his children to go in. And if I don't walk in that way and I get on the path of my own way, then I'm going to bring destruction and chaos and calamity into my life. And so we understand that it happens with kids, but let's be honest, as adults, it happens to us as well, that we get so narrow-minded sometimes that, that the broad way looks like the narrow way, and we choose our will over God's will. But when we filter everything through the fear of the Lord, uh, then it brings clarity into our lives. And so the verse says, don't be wise in your own eyes, but see, see things as God sees them. And this has been a prevailing problem since Adam and Eve were in the garden, doing things our way versus doing things God's way. And so when we live with the fear of the Lord as a priority, it brings clarity into our lives. We're, we're able to have a clear mind, a discerning spirit. Um, we're, we're able to have a charted path that God has planned out for us. We're able to see the clear destination as to where God wants us to go. And we're able to live with desires that are supernatural in some way, that they're, they're not earthly or fleshly, but we're living for another world. Um, I enjoy the, the back roads of Franklin County. I enjoy driving on the back roads and, and really getting lost. But can I tell you, that's not a good way to do life. I like to go and just see where I can go and see where I end up. And so many people approach life like that, that I'm just going to try things out and see where I end up, see where it leads me, see, see what joy I can find down this path. And all the while, God is saying, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and follow the path that I have established for you. Live with a discerning spirit. Live, live with a planned end in mind. So we can't live life traveling the back roads. We have to live life following God's charted path for us. And, and how do we understand what that path is? It's through the fear of the Lord. How many of you have ever, ever had something in your life that you had to make a decision over that God gave you clarity in because you submitted that thing to him? I think we all have. Was it always the easy decision? No, <laughs> it's not, and it won't be. It won't always be the easy decision, but is it, is it always the best decision? It is, uh, and that's hard to understand sometimes, um, but in the end, we will have clarity. We will see things uh, from God's perspective. This verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil, is connected to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 about trusting in the Lord with all our heart and lean not in, leaning not unto our own understanding and acknowledging him in all our ways and, and then allowing him to direct our paths. God is saying when you live under the fear of the Lord, I will bring clarity to your life. I, I will bring um, guiding principles to your life that will help you make the decisions that you need to make. Um, any thoughts on this idea of the fear of the Lord bringing clarity to your life as a believer? Bruce? Just uh second into the parenting that with years of being teens, working with teens, uh, if the parents are not living in the fear of the Lord, they are going to have a very hard time teaching the kids to live in yeah. the fear of the Lord. Because I don't know how many teens, and they seem to almost enjoy sharing it. We <laughs> talk about the hypocrisy of their parents. Yeah. You know, when he's in church, or when she's in Yeah. And just heard that over and over again. And our kids ought, ought to be able to see yeah. that. You know, we should be real yeah. both places. You know, yeah. not two different people. Absolutely. Um, I did this this week, and I won't tell you the answers. They were, they were positive, just so you know, but I won't tell you what they were. Um, sit down with your kids and ask them what they think of you. Um, ask them one word that describes you. Um, 
what would they say? We should hope that our kids would say that, that they're godly, right? That they love the Lord, that they, they, uh, they fear the Lord. Whatever that, whatever they, however they put it into words, that's what our desire should be. Um, but how many of us would say at times that maybe that's not how we should be described because we go off course. And so Solomon's desire here is that, that we would walk in the fear of the Lord and that we would have clarity as we walk through this life. And it's really, it's really a gift that God gives, right? This idea of clarity. And while the rest of the world is trying to run around and figure out how to make sense of things, God says, just walk in, in fear of who I am. Walk in respect and reverence to who I am. Understand the book that I've given you. Yield to the spirit that I've placed within you. And you'll have a direct path to walk on. You'll be able to make decisions when everybody else is scratching their head. And so the fear of the Lord brings clarity. Any, anybody else have any thoughts on this? Yes, Elizabeth. Well, that's been uh, my prayer every day. Really. <laughs> Thanks for clarity. And um, I think that's something that we're Yeah. Hmm. Just, just keep trusting him, right? And so as we think about this idea of, of uh, the fear of the Lord bringing clarity, we have to ask then, what does the fear of the Lord bring clarity in? Um, well, Proverbs addresses these situations, relationships, finances, raising children, leading, serving, and decision-making. And I think that sums up a great majority of our lives, doesn't it? That those are the things that we often want clarity in. God, give me clarity. God, give me clarity. God, give me clarity. All right, I'm going to do it my own way now. And, and we often lead ourselves to failure, and then we get upset when it happens. And so if we want to have clarity in our lives, then we have to, we have to um, fear the Lord uh, daily to, and, and live in that fear of the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense um, to our fleshly side or to those around us. We all have difficult decisions that we have to make. And uh, we would be wise to, to process or filter those things through this idea of the fear of the Lord. And it's funny, regardless of how many times God does it, I always seem surprised when he gives clarity over a situation that I was stressed out and confused over. It's like, wow, God, you, you gave me an answer. And it, it's not an audible voice. It's that piece of the, the still small spirit within you saying, this is the path that I want you to go down. This is the thing that I want you to do. And so the fear of the Lord brings clarity. Um, the, the fear of the Lord, number three, um, is to flee from wickedness. So it, it, uh, number one was the fear of the Lord is, is to be a priority. The fear of the Lord brings clarity. And the fear of the Lord is to flee from wickedness. In Proverbs 8 and verse number 13, um, another principle uh, that Solomon puts forth, he says this, uh, I, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And he goes on to give us this list. Um, and I, I would dare say that this list is probably one that touches each of us in some way. We like it when there's a broad, um, a broad example given. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Well, who would say they hate evil in here? We all do especially everybody else's evil, right? We, we hate everybody else's sins, the things that they struggle with, but then it's broken down for us. Well, what is evil? Well, it's pride and arrogance and the evil way and the fro, froward mouth, the evil mouth, the wicked mouth. As, as we think about this idea of the, the fear of the Lord is to flee from wickedness, um, Solomon is giving us some wisdom here um, that we would be wise to pay attention to because we often... Um, we often, as I said, look at the wickedness of others and we can easily hate that, uh, but we really need to hate the wickedness that's within us. Martin Luther said this, be careful not to measure your holiness by looking at other people's sins. Isn't that good? Don't you sometimes feel better when somebody sins a sin that you don't struggle with? Especially if you play the comparison game that I think that person's getting the, the upper edge on me on being a better Christian than I am. Oh, they just said a word that I don't use. How pathetic are they? Maybe instead of measuring our holiness by looking at other people's sins, we should measure our holiness 
off the Word of God. Now, we know that we're holy because Christ has made us holy, but then he's called us to live in holiness. He's, he's enabled us to live what he has made us. And so if we're going to live in that way, then we have to fear the Lord. And part of fearing the Lord is to flee from wickedness. I, I, was, I saw something the other day that was, was deeply convicting. It said, how many Christians are, are opposed to what takes place in the month of June as far as all the, all the gay pride stuff? They're opposed to what happens in public, but they're willing to let it go across their screens in the form of a TV show and enjoy it. Do we think about the wickedness that we allow in our lives? We have, our kids like to watch um, certain TV shows, and I feel like that list is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And it's sad, because I remember waking up and watching, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, and there was violence, but it was a, a, an Acme anvil getting dropped on a coyote, right? Like, it's not realistic violence. Uh, there, there was things that were talked about maybe that I didn't understand, but they weren't necessarily filthy or dirty, or even just people um, posing themselves in ways that my 14, 10, 9, and five-year-old aren't, I don't want them to see. Like, I want to spare my kids from some of this stuff. And so as parents, we have to make decisions. We have to, we have to flee from wickedness. Um, it's funny, we, we don't have cable, not because we don't want cable. It's just cable's really expensive. And so we have some streaming services. And at night, <laughs> Brianna loves it. But what are we watching right now? Uh, this old house. <laughs> Why? Because there's nothing in it that's wrong. It's, it's clean. It's, it's a building show, right? It's, it's simple. I, I don't watch this old house and struggle with lust. Maybe I want somebody's kitchen cabinets. I don't know. Maybe that's a problem that I have. But it's, it's, it, there's nothing in me in watching that show that is pulling me away from the person that God wants me to be. And so the fear of the Lord is to flee from evil. Well, what evil have we become comfortable with? What wickedness have we allowed well, I can, I can handle that. And I've made those statements. I can handle seeing that, or I can handle listening to that. That's great that you can handle it, but should you be able to handle it? Well, it doesn't affect me. Well, maybe it's not a good thing that it doesn't affect you. Maybe it should affect us in ways that, that would cause us to grieve over things that we allow into our minds and, and, and into our ears and into our eyes. Um, I used to... I used to preach on a lot as a teenager, as a youth pastor. I used to preach on, on music a lot, not because um, music is the worst thing in the world, but music is something that I struggled with as a teenager. And it was, it was the message that the music held that would cause my mind to wander in all sorts of directions that it didn't need to go. And so I don't, I don't preach on this now. I'm going to share it because it's a personal principle that we live by, that we want our kids to live by. I don't listen, we don't listen to secular music. Why? Because there's so much in secular music that goes directly against the Word of God. It's a fun song. It's a fun, well, what's the fun song about? Well, listen to the words. And most of the fun songs that, that at least are out nowadays are filled with something that a Christian shouldn't be involved in. Um, you may disagree with me, and that's, that's fine. I just wanted to give you an understanding of how in my life I've chosen to flee from wickedness. And a lot of the wickedness that I think we have to flee from in our day and age comes through the form of entertainment. It's the things that subtly sneak into our lives that if, if you were at my house and it came on the TV, oh, I don't, I don't know why that was on there, right? If anybody else saw or heard something that, that may be in the past or maybe even now that I let myself listen to or watch that I would be deeply embarrassed or ashamed of. But who is with us? The Lord is. And I think that's something that we have to live with in our minds. Um, to hate the evil way. To hate the evil way. What is the evil way? It's anything um, that is in verse 13. It, it's, it's pride. It's arrogance. And then he just says the evil way. The, the, the way that is against God, the way that is opposed to godliness, the way that is opposed to righteousness. And so I'm, 
I'm not going to tell you how to live your life because you have the Spirit of God in you. But I, I would say, kind of what, going back to what Dave was saying, that we should have some parameters and some guiding principles in our lives that says, this doesn't fit. And so I'm not going to keep trying to jam the square block into the, the, the round hole. Why? Because if I do, I'm going to break the toy. So we have to have these guiding principles that help us hate the evil way um, that is the way of the world. Um, do you think the enemy is conniving? Do, do you think he, he would try to sneak things into your life without you knowing it so that he could lure you to a place that he wants you to be? We absolutely have to believe that. We, we have to. Um, I like, I think it's Paul that says it, that, that Satan appears as a minister of light and his demons as, as, as angels of light. I can't remember how the exact passage goes, but of course he's going to make that which is evil look good and appealing and, and something that we would desire. That's, that's exactly what he did in the garden. And so we have to hate the evil way. We have to flee from wickedness, whatever that wickedness is. And so as some, some questions to ask as we think through this, um, this thought of verse number 13, um, do we excuse sin in our lives? Well, it's okay because. Is sin ever okay? It's not. Is, is a swear word ever okay? It's not. Is in our, our world today, is... Um, are, are images that are almost pornographic ever okay? No. And yet, isn't that what so much of entertainment, as we call it today, is filled with? And so we have to hate the evil way. Uh, the, the evil that we have to hate is the same across the board. It's anything that God would say is evil, right? Just because you're okay with it doesn't make it okay. Just because I'm okay with it doesn't make it okay. Uh, Stephen Covey, who is an author, um, he, he wrote several Top-selling books, and, and uh, some that are on my list to read, he says this, so a, so a thought, reap an action, so an action, reap a habit, so a habit, reap a character, so a character, reap a destiny. So how do you determine what your destiny is going to be from a, a practical holiness perspective? You choose to hate the evil way. Because once you start to love the evil or accept the evil or embrace the evil, it's going to have consequences in this life that, that you and I don't want to pay. And it may be us, but what does the Old Testament often speak of? How the sins of the fathers visited who? The third and fourth generations. That those things were passed down, that they were carried on. Um, Proverbs twenty three seventeen says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. This kind of goes back to what the psalmist was talking about this morning about living a life of praise while he had, had life in his being. Um, Solomon is saying here, don't envy the evil in the world. And isn't it silly how we can often find ourselves envying the evil in the world? Then he says, be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Live in the fear of the Lord. And to live in the fear of the Lord is to flee from wickedness. I'm going to jump to the last one. If you have anything, any thoughts afterwards on that one, certainly be glad to talk to you. Um, and that one was, was heavy, and I know it was, um, but understand it was heavy for me before it was heavy in this room. Um, but the fourth one is simply this, the fear of the Lord brings blessings. So we'll end on a good note. In Proverbs 10, in verse number 27, it says this, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 14, uh, verse 26 says this, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Proverbs 14, 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And then uh, Psalm 1, I know it's not a proverb, but I want to read it. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish.
Do we believe that living in the fear of the Lord brings blessings? I think we have to. We have to believe that. Why? Because it's what the Bible says. And some of these blessings are principles. Some of them are promises. Verse 27 of chapter 10 again says, The fear of the Lord prolongeth the days, but the wicked shall be shortened. Does that mean that every righteous person is going to live a long life on this earth? Well, no. Because there's many righteous people who have died young. So that doesn't make sense. So this is a principle that the, the, the I almost said the proverbist, uh, that Solomon is making. And it's, it's this idea that your days are going to be prolonged, your days are going to be full, that they're going to have great purpose, that they're going to have great meaning, and that your legacy is going to live on. That, that the principles that you live by, that they'll be passed down to generations to come. And though you won't want people to speak of you, what will people do? They'll speak of you. Why? Because you had an impact, because I had an impact in their life. Verses 26 and 27 of Proverbs 14 again says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Who needs confidence in this world when it comes to, to all of the issues of life? We all do. We all at times waffle back and forth, not knowing what to do or how to live or where to go or, or, or anything really. But when we fear the Lord, there's a strong confidence. And then what does he say? That his children shall have a place of refuge. That refuge, I think, in part, is in the Lord himself. But shouldn't our children be able to find refuge in us as parents? That we're going to guide them in a way that, that would lead them to righteousness, that would lead them to holiness, that would lead them to a life that God would desire. It says later on in that passage, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Doesn't that fountain of life just sound appealing? That, that our life is, again, full and vibrant and joyful and rejoicing. Well, it's found in the fear of the Lord. And then as the psalmist wrote, Psalm 1, he tells us that when we walk in the fear of the Lord, he doesn't use those words, but when we walk in the fear of the Lord, what's God going to do? He's going to plant us by rivers of water. And our, our leaf is, is not going to wither, but it's going to produce fruit in his season. It's going to be a, a flourishing tree that when others walk by it, they say, man, everything else is dying, but look at that tree. Everything else has no fruit, but, but look at that tree. It's, it's full of fruit. And so these, these promises or, or this idea of the fear of the Lord bringing blessing, again, we can't turn it into this idea of, of a prosperity mentality that everything we're gonna, we do because we fear the Lord is, is going to cause us to grow in wealth and, and possessions and all these things, riches. But it, it's, it's speaking spiritually. He's speaking to spiritual people. And if we want to flourish in a spiritual way, then, then we have to live in the way that God has put forth in his word. There's, it's no secret that following God leads to the blessed life. But what does that blessed life look like? Well, read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And one of the Beatitudes is that happy are you or blessed are you when they persecute you for my name's sake. So the blessed life the fear of the Lord doesn't always mean physical prosperity in, in the ideas that this world would put forth, but it means a spiritual prosperity that nobody can take away from you. Nobody can take away from you. Nobody can strip us of this thing that God has promised to us. And so the fear of the Lord brings blessings. And the question we have to ask is, is do we want the blessings that the fear of the Lord brings? I think we often get our eyes fixed on the blessings that we think maybe we're owed, or it would be really cool if God did this, and maybe it would be really cool if God did that. But God hasn't promised us some of those things that we sometimes desire, but the promises that he has given us should be enough to desire to live in the fear of the Lord. Um, and so as, as Solomon is writing here, he's, he's reminding us that the fear of the Lord does bring bring blessings in, in our lives, but also in the lives of those around us. Um, any thoughts on this idea of the fear of the Lord bringing blessings? Eddie? Sure. Yeah, God's, God's favor is God's blessing, right? The two go hand in hand. And, and again, that favor is not um, always earthly. We, ha we have the favor of God because we are in Christ, because we have been uh, redeemed and and saved through the blood of Christ. 
and that favor extends sometimes to the things that we face in this life from an earthly perspective. Anybody else? Yes, Heidi. Yeah, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. And I like, I like what you were just, what Oswald Chambers says, or whoever said it, about God holding all these things in his hand. To piggyback on that, I was listening to something the other day, and they were talking about this. The Hebrew idea of God holding things in his hand was not necessarily the palm of his hand, but it was in his fingertips. And when you hold something in your fingertips, you're a lot more gentle and delicate with it. And I, I just think that, again, speaks to God's heart for us, that he's not holding us in his hand to crush us, He's holding us in his fingertips to nurture us, to, to push us in the direction um, that he wants us to go. One last question, and then we're going to pray and close things up. And it's a question that I hope you'll consider as we leave tonight. And it's simply this, what areas uh, do you need to submit to when it comes to this idea of the fear of the Lord? What areas in your life are, are you not, you're living through your own wisdom rather than living through the wisdom of God? Uh, Solomon says we should do everything through the fear of the Lord, to reverence him, to think about him, to consult him, not in a group of others that we're consulting, but to consult him alone and see what he has to say about a matter and then choose to walk in that way. Uh, where, are we, where do we need to submit to the fear of the Lord? Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time. We do pray that you'd use your word in our hearts, uh, that you would use it to, to strengthen us and equip us. And God, I, I pray that, that we would understand that these things are true, not because I said them, God, but these things are true because your word says them. I pray that, that we would be uncomfortable around sin, not in an awkward manner, um, but just that our heart is so fixed on you, God, that when sin creeps into our lives, um, that we would hate the evil way, that we would understand that walking in the fear of the Lord does bring blessings, that it does bring clarity, and that it should be a priority. And so, God, help us to navigate life um, through the fear, the reverence, the respect, the awe of who you are and how you've called us to live. God, we thank you for your kindness towards us. I do pray that you'd be with us as we, as we leave here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray.